Christmas to everyone. It's good to see you all here with us this morning, and um, glad you could be here. My name is Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. If this is your first time here, sit back and relax. Nobody's going to make you do anything you don't want to. Uh, I'll try not to take all your time today as well. But it's good to be together, and if you've got a, you've got a bulletin, uh, you can look in, look in, your bu- in the bulletin on the back. I think I want to point out something. There's a teen lock-in coming up in January. I wanted to mention that. That's going to be kind of cool. You bring your kids, we lock them up, they can't leave. How could that be a bad thing? That's a good thing. And uh, that's going to be going on next uh, next month. Speaking of next month, um, there's going to be uh, a next year is here. We're having it here at uh, the campus. We're going to be having a potluck. We're going to have a great time. You'll, if you'd like to help with that potluck, um, let uh, some people at the Welcome Center know. They'll let you know what to bring. We'll, we'll get that information out to you. But um, that's going to be going on, I believe, on the 5th of January. 4th? 5th? 4th. 4th of January. Now, there is a, a Christmas service next week, and it's going to be at 6 o'clock p.m. It's not going to be, we're not going to have anything during the day. Uh, services will not be, when I'll have our services like we normally do uh, at 10, is it 10.30? We have them, I think, and, and 8.30. They'll, they'll, or I can't remember when we have them. I just get up here and talk. Ten o'clock? Oh, no wonder the sermons aren't going long enough. Now I know why. No. Wow. Tough crowd today. But uh, next week we'll be meeting here at six o'clock for our Christmas service with our kids. Our kids are going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time, guys. Great time. It's a family service. There will not be child care. So if you've got a child, you say, you know, uh, bring, we're going to be all together here in the auditorium. And don't worry if they disrupt or get loud or cry. That's, that's all right. We want it to be a family service. And we're going to be gathering again at 6 o'clock next week. There will be no morning service here at Greater Alton at 8.30 or at 10. Everybody remember that? Okay, good. If you have some friends that aren't here, you might want to remind them to come. Afterwards, we're going to be having uh, refreshments. We'll have some hot, you know, some cocoa and some uh, coffee and some cookies and things. Uh, so hang around afterwards, okay? It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's see. We've been talking about Christmas presents, and I know how I know how you guys are doing with your Christmas. It's it's going to be here in just a few more days. Um, we uh, I don't know how you are, how if you're stressed out much from all the hustle and bustle. But uh, uh, what we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks, so this, this week in particular, we talk about presents again, but not the kind of presents you see on stage. I know that a lot of times we're focused on, on gifts like this, you know, and, and um, uh, you know, Michael, all jokes aside, his, you know, his, his birthday is close to Christmas. It's easy to get him confused sometimes, but, but you know, uh, we're all packaging things, wrapping things, putting them under the tree. Um, Denise and I, we, we're not going to get a lot for each other this year, is what she's saying. And, you know, we're trying to stay committed to that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's so easy to get so caught up in what to get and you know, hurry up, you know, and get all these gifts together. Sometimes we're buying presents for people. We really don't matter if we give to them or not, right? I mean, there's that list. And um, there may be a particular person you're going, I can't wait to give them a present and, or receive that present from them. That can be a lot of fun. 
But we're not talking about that. We have not been talking about that last couple of weeks. We, uh, this, this, last week or this week. We're talking about a different kind of presence. And that is that the Christmas presence that, that's really the original reason for Christmas. I know some of you here might say, well, well, we really don't know when Christ was born, right? No, we don't. I mean, there's 136 different dates that have been picked for Christmas. Did you know that? The, the birth of Christ. There's a, there's a day picked in every month of the year, in fact. No one really knows. And, uh, and God doesn't, um, does, I guess he didn't see fit to tell us when. It must not matter to him. And he didn't want it to matter to us. What he wanted to, to emphasize and he, what he really wanted to matter was what happened on Christmas. And so, you know, uh, we happen to call the 25th of December Christmas. Um, I think it's great that we do have a time where we can celebrate the coming of the Lord. Would you agree with that? That's, that's good. I can, I, I can deal with that. And I'm glad. Right now, people are thinking about Jesus more than ever. And uh, last week we talked a little bit about um, God's presence. And today I want to talk about your presence. You see, Christmas, in your notes here and up on the screen, Christmas is not about the presence we get from people, but the presence of people. It's not about the packages and the gifts. It's your presence. I mean, I mean last week, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, a couple of questions to kind of help us understand this. Um, if I were to ask you, if somebody were to ask you, what did you get last year for Christmas? Would you be able to remember? I can't. I can't remember. I was thinking about this. What did I get last year? Did I get the, that flashlight last year or was it two years ago, Nicole? That, okay, because that's the one I remembered. That's the only one I remembered. Is that something? Because that's the only one I could think of. And I know I, I know I got more than a flashlight. I know I got some clothes. Everybody gets clothes. You know, but I, was, I could not remember. And I know all the gifts I received were out of deep love. People loved me and, and the thought that counts, they thought of me. I don't know how you are. Can you remember the gifts you got? But if I were to ask you, if I were to ask you this, who do you remember celebrating Christmas with? That'd be easy, wouldn't it? Oh my gosh, that's really easy. I was my mom and my dad, or my my kids, or my aunt, my uncle. I was with all these different people. You could just click them out right and left. You see, that's the presence we cherish the most. It's the presence of people. And it's interesting that the first Christmas wasn't about these presents, but God's presence, and I believe your presence. Because you can't tell the, the story of Christmas without talking about people. So that's what I want you to think about this morning, is this idea of, what about your presence? I mean, ask yourself, and maybe it would be a good question to ask, what... Um, does what I do, what I do, and who I am, you know, who I am and what I do matter? And I want you to know they do. They matter. They matter big time during Christmas and really during your life. Um, the attitude you choose, the choices you make, 
during the Christmas season what you're going to do with your things, with your time, with your agenda, with your plans. They matter. And like I said before, you cannot, you cannot tell the story of Christmas without mentioning people and their presence. Let me show you what I'm talking about here in Luke 2 on your notes. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds, there's your first people, circle shepherds, said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary, circle Mary, and Joseph, circle Joseph, and the baby, circle the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread word, spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard, circle all who heard, all who heard, heard it were amazed at the shepherds, what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. You see this, these people mentioned. You know, God uses people to bring his presence into the world. That's the thing I realized. Could, could, could God have brought himself into the world without people? I'm sure he could have done that, but that's not what he chose to do. He chose to bring people into the world. And the nativity scene, the nativity, when we picture the nativity, I don't know how you picture it, but when I was a kid, I was the Christmas guy. I was in charge of Christmas in my family. And I remember setting up the nativity scene every year. And I'd always have, you know, Jesus and the baby. I mean, I remember making a pops, uh, or Jesus the baby. I'd have a, make a popsicle stick manger out of popsicle sticks. You ever done that? Remember doing that at school? Or maybe we did that. And I brought it home. And I had a place. We had a little donkey and a little sheep. Those ceramic clay things there. And there's Jesus. In, and I had a little crib for him. And there was Mary and Joseph and the three wise men, and the little drummer boy. And I thought he was really there. Because that, sound, that song sounds so holy and true. Right? And, and, and so I had a drummer boy, and I had to put a drummer boy in there. And I remember, uh, I remember one time seeing a nativity where Santa Claus is there. Have you seen that where he's praying? And I'm like, Santa's there? I didn't know this. But when you look at the real scene of what the nativity is, guys, it's Joseph and Mary, some shepherds, and a baby. It's not a very crowded place. Uh, this morning I was driving the back way to get to the church building and I saw a nativity and it had Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And that's pretty accurate. I think it's interesting, you know, why is Jesus not born in a hospital or a hotel or, or, or in the end, but he's born in a stable. And I don't know, we, sometimes when you read a story over and over again, it can, you can lose, get lost and, and not notice the details, but it's almost as if Mary gives birth to Jesus behind a restaurant somewhere where the dumpsters are. You getting it? That's the picture. While she's giving birth, she hears laughter, but it's not over her birth of her son. She can hear it from the inn, and she's not inside. She's out in a barn. I don't know about you moms, but I don't think that's the place you'd like to have a child. 
You'd like to have a little more sanitary, be a little more sanitary, am I right? Maybe have some medical people there, some medical experience. But Mary and Joseph are by themselves when Jesus comes. And it's just a, a small group of people here. And God uses these people. And I, I, I don't know, as I've looked at this story over and over again, you don't have to find create. You don't have to be creative to see this stuff. What I'm going to share with you this morning is very simple. Because God wants to use you to bring His presence in Christmas. That's what He really wants. And how can I do that? How can I bring God's presence in Christmas, during the Christmas season? Well, let me give you four things I notice in this, this story and here in Luke and a couple of other passages. Number one, I can choose to have a positive attitude. I want to bring Christ, if I want to bring Christ into Christmas, it's an attitude, not just the phrases I use. Everybody's so concerned about Christ, we can't say Merry Christmas. It's going to be illegal to say Merry Christmas. I'm going to tell you guys, it's not illegal, something illegal, it's an ill feeling that sometimes we can have during the Christmas season. Grumpy people take the air out of Christmas. Grumpy people put Jesus in a bad light. You know, next week we're having, let's see if, if I'm right, Sierra, yep, Olivia, and Aslan will be over here. They're our main characters, kids. And boy, they are perfect typecast. Coral has done a great job of picking the parts, okay? We have um, Brian Chrysos over here as King Herod. Perfect. It's the best. Perfect. Our shepherds are going to be Andy Weiler, Michael Gill, and Steve Harders. You know, what a that's you know, a concoction of different shapes, sizes, you know what I'm saying, personalities. It's perfect. The way you would see shepherds, you know. You we got angels, we're gonna have angels here. Um, and uh, uh, let's see, Cassie, Chelsea, Hamlin, let's see, Cassie Clark, uh, Mackenzie. It's not, yeah, yeah, Mackenzie, yeah. Are you, Miranda, you're going to be an angel too? Oh, wow. We got, we got a bunch of angels. And, and uh, Mickey, you're going to be an angel too. They were practicing. We're going to be practicing this afternoon. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a fantastic presentation. Mary and Joseph, you've got Melissa playing Mary. And Joseph's played by Pat Hunt. He doesn't say a word. Oscar nomination. But you look at all these people, you've got, you know, you think about peace, joy, and love, and you see Mary, yes, of course, you know, and you got and you look over here and you you've got the shepherds, of course, you know, Hosanna, they're praising God, and the angels, hallelujah, of course, of course. Then you got Herod. The grumpy old man of the play. There's some. I mean, is it Christmas with the cranks where you are, and you're the cranky one? Or just it takes the, it just takes the air out of Christmas when we're grumpy. A lot of things can make you grumpy. Am I right? You know, you're shopping, you're running around, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're. You know, Denise and I, uh, her birthday was yesterday. 
And so we decided to go to the zoo to see the Christmas lights. It's a great Christmas or a birthday idea. Sure, baby, I'll take you to those lights. Let's go. So we get in the car. We mark our way. We're going down I-70. We're going to take I-70 and make, it, make that left there on 64. But we, we can't get to 64. It's bumper to bumper on I-70 or 170, I-170. I'm going, she goes, why? And I, I said, it's got to be that zoo thing. No, it can't be the zoo thing. It's got to be some concerts going on. It was the zoo. And it took us 30 to 45 minutes just to get close to see the zoo. And she looks at me and goes, maybe this is not a good time. So let's, what do we want to do? Let's go. Let's do something else. Let's get away from this crowd. Let's go to the Galleria. So we go to the Galleria. And as we're walking in, there's a guy, get three cops around him, and they're giving it to him. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. We go in. We do a few things. What do you want to eat? Let's eat at the cheese factory. It's only an hour, 15-minute wait. I'm starting to get worked up. Well, i got something I want to return to babies or us. Okay, we can do that. Siri? Yes, Tim? Give me the closest babies or us. It's just down the road. She lied. <laughs> 22 miles on 370. And we go to the mills. That's where we go. And so she goes, uh, she can't find her receipt. And I'm starting to get a little worked up. And then all of a sudden, she says, well, oh, pop the trunk. So I'm trying to pop the trunk. The thing won't work. And I hear, dunk, 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 dunk. Dunk, 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 Which means, hurry up and open the trunk. And I'm like, I'm trying to open the trunk. I'm talking to myself in this. <laughs> and finally, the trunk pops open. And then, bat, 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 on the window. Open the door, open the door. I'm going, I'm trying to open the door. She can't hear me. This couple walks by and sees me going off on her. Here comes the shame. Grumpy, you don't say Merry Christmas after something like that. What kind of attitude are you choosing? Christmas is the most positive time of the year. Are you? As a Christian? Look what, look what it says about the shepherds here. It says this about the shepherds. So shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. You know, Christmas wasn't easy for Mary and Joseph, and yet what, what, what do they see when they see, the, they see the shepherds leaving? Positive things. Good things. You know, and so, you know I've, I've, been, I've been saying more and more Merry Christmas to people. On purpose, because I want to, but I know it's got to be more than that. But I'm trying to choose my attitude, because it's such a positive time of year, and I want to encourage you to do the same. If you want to bring Christ into Christmas, let it be beyond the Merry Christmas. Let, let them see a positive attitude. It says here in Philippians three, be be glad in God. As a Christian, you've got a lot to be glad to, about, right? Be glad you're a Christian. Be glad that you're saved. Be glad that, that God loves you. Look what he says here in Philippians 4. Delight yourselves in God. What's he mean? Have a ball. Enjoy it. Delight in God. Yes, find your joy. Ah, Find your joy in Him at all times. Sometimes you can lose track of that. huh? 
Find it. Have a reputation for gentleness. Why? And look what he says. And never forget the nearness of your Lord. It has something to do with the presence of God. Those that get close to God, they get close to God, find gladness and joy. They find a positive attitude. You going to be positive on Christmas? Have you been positive so far? Why not change today? If you haven't been, been a little grumpy, knock it off. Be positive. Choose that positive attitude. It is a choice. Number two, I can also do this. I can tell others about Jesus. I can tell others about Jesus. Look at what it says here in verses 17 and 18. And when they had seen him, the shepherds, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It's interesting. The shepherds hear from heaven, from the angels, about the birth of Christ. God chooses shepherds to do that. And, and, it, and it says that they went and told everybody. And everybody was amazed. They were astonished. Now these are smelly shepherds. I don't know if you know any sheep herders. And if there's a sheep herder in a crowd, I, I grew up raising pigs. So I don't know which is worse. Pigs, yeah. I think it's pigs, yeah. And you, you know, I, I, you've watched any western? They always got the dirty sheep herder. Sheep herder, ugh! I could, I no wonder I could smell him. The sheep herders don't have the greatest reputation. Well, that, that, it was true in the Bible. Shepherds were not respected. They were shunned. They were rejected. Nobody listened to a shepherd. They listened to not. They listened to the, the day this happened. Why would they listen? Why would because the shepherds are speaking? Why why would they listen? And why would the shepherds speak at all? Because they knew they'd been chosen. And listen to me, guys. God chooses. This story's on purpose the way it is. God chooses shepherds for a reason. He chooses shepherds to encourage you. If he'd have chosen a doctor or some physicist, somebody you know, real educated above our pay grade, okay. Well, I can, now I got an out. Well, I'm no, I'm not that. No, he picks the lowest rung of the ladder. He picks a shepherd. And see, these guys knew they were chosen. Imagine, from heaven, they hear this heavenly message, and what do they do? They take it to people. Their presence. They're aware of it. See, God uses ordinary people to pass along the Christmas story. Just ordinary folk. He wants to use you. Now, how can I tell others? Well, I can tell others about the child in two ways. The first way is by inviting others in. By invitation. I can talk about Christ and I can talk about Christmas through invitation. It's interesting, Luke 2, verse 7, maybe one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Because it says that while at the same time Mary's giving birth, it says in a stable, because there was no room in the inn. Here's the King of Kings coming into the world, and the world is a lousy host. Doesn't have any room. This innkeeper, he's a villain, isn't he? There's no room. And why is there no room in the inn? Well, there's no room in the inn because it's full. That's what I assume. Doesn't tell us. Maybe he didn't want somebody giving birth in one of his rooms. Maybe he'd heard about Mary. 
that the world was not making room for Jesus. Guys, I want to ask you a question. Will you make room for Jesus? What do you mean, Tim? What I'm saying is, will you? in Christmas, it kind of crowds out everything. Sometimes Christmas can just crowd out our purpose and what we're really here for. I, I know churches that have shut down everything during the Christmas season. We're just going to, you know, kick back. You guys need a break, and we'll pick it up next year. You know, after all the holidays. And I, I noticed that disciples and believers, followers of God, were on their game during Christmas in the first one. What I'm asking you is this. Will you make room for Jesus? Will you invite people to see Jesus in your home? In your church next week, I believe next week's going to be a magical weekend. People are going to see Jesus Christ next weekend here at six o'clock. Will you invite anybody to that? Well, is there any family member, any friend you know that you could invite so they could hear about the child and change their life? Look at look at look how the shepherds are. Let's go to Bethlehem. They're saying, "Man, we need to do something. Let's go." They're encouraging each other. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. So they hurried off. It says they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So not only do they encourage each other, and I hope all of us will be here next week, encourage other believers, but encourage those that, that need to see Jesus, that need the presence of God in their life this Christmas season. Invite them. Second way I can tell others about, uh, about the child is by telling others my story. Telling others my story. It says, all, those, uh, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. What are they talking about? They're talking about what happened to them. This is what happened. All of us here have a story. Now, I know some of us here probably have a, a, a more dramatic story than other people. And you may think, well, my story is not as dramatic. Even the shepherds had angels. You know, a chorus of angels are singing. You know, they had something like that. That probably held their attention. I think what held their attention was they were talking about the promised Messiah. But you maybe you don't feel like you have much of a dramatic story. You don't have much to, to share. I want to tell you, everybody has a story. You're a Christian, you have a story. And most of the stories people really want to hear are not the dramatic, crazy ones, but just the everyday ones. Somebody connects with your story. And, and I want you to see, look at, look at what, what Paul tells a guy named Philemon. He says, As you share your faith with others, I pray that they may come to know all the blessings Christ has given, given us. As you share your faith, as you tell the story of Jesus, and it doesn't have to be told perfectly, guys. You can make all kinds of mistakes. I prove that every week. You know, I still touch lives. Even, I mess up constantly. And I want you to know you, you know, you don't have to tell your story grammatically correct. Thank God. Just share what, what's happened. Look at, look at these two passages I want to encourage you with. Psalm 71, 17. Oh God, I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. You're just telling people this is what God has done. I can't explain any other way. This is what, he, this is what He's done. Psalms 107. All of you set free by God, tell the world. 
Tell how He freed you from oppression. Let's talk about how God's changed your life. Look how different it is. So I can bring Christ and I can bring God's presence into Christmas when I tell others, when I talk about it. Somebody needs to hear from you this week. I wonder who it is. Number three, I can look for ways to serve others. One of the ways I bring God's presence into Christmas is I look for ways to serve others. You know, as I read the Christmas story, I notice that service is a major part of it. When you read the, uh, Luke chapter 1, and you hear the angels are talking to Mary, and, and the, this angel is saying, you're going to have a child, this is what's going to happen. And she goes, how's that going to happen? I mean, I'm not even married. Well, you know, it was prophesied it'd be a virgin, and you're the one. It's, we've selected you. And, and, and what's Mary's response to this? She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary knew who she was. She knew, I'm a servant. I'm the Lord's servant. And then she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. Because I want that to happen. I want what you just described to me to happen. But I'm going to be your servant. Is that your attitude? You know, they say Christmas is the time of giving. But I've learned that Christmas can be a very selfish time. It can be a time where I think about my stuff and my things because, you know, we work, we work all hard and finally get some time off and what do we want to do with it? My agenda. My leisure. And let me say this with all due respect. Just my family. Just my family. Not God's family. Not anybody else. You do realize Mary's life was interrupted by Christmas. I wonder what her plans were. They get interrupted. And Christmas will interrupt your life. But to a servant, it's a privilege. To a servant, yes. I, help me do this. May it happen. Just as you've said. Are you a servant? See, Christmas is not about me. It's about the Lord. And what he wants. I love this passage. This is, and I know this is a paraphrase from the message. But look how it says this. I love it because at the very end it gives you the punchline of the whole why this is being said. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Huh. Cheerfully, okay. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. You want to bring Christmas into your home? Fellas, instead of watching TV while the ladies are cleaning up, why not help them out? Hello. You know, when you, when you, during the Christmas season, you see somebody needing some help, You'd be willing to serve, even though it's going to interrupt your plans, your shopping plans, your festive plans. Because bringing God's presence into the world was the most important thing God ever did, and every follower should take the same attitude. I want God's presence more than anything 
That's what should be on my brain. I mean, think about this. What would happen if we did all this? You know, we've got ministries here at Greater Alton. And we, we have divorce care, grief share. We have a teen ministry. We have a, a college ministry. We have a young adult ministry. We've got a lot of different things that we do. I know that. And a lot of times it requires them coming here. You know where I'm going, don't you? Service is not just here. That the bulk of service, God didn't bring His presence to a building, but to the world. And He counts on you and I to bring His presence to the world out there. We get here to kind of you know, get fired up, get focused, to go out and serve God. What would happen to the workplace if I was more of a servant? Would they see Christ? What would happen to my neighborhood if I was more of a servant? What would happen to my community if I was more of a servant? Because Christmas will interrupt you. Let it happen, huh? Let it happen. And watch God, watch God's presence be received. Number four. This is the one that I, I found. It's just so simple, and I and I, I, it's just very encouraging. And that is, I bring God's presence to Christmas. How can I do that? I can be with others. What? It's simple. I can be with other people. You know what I notice? I notice here in the Christmas story, some key people are around. Let me say something to you. I learned. But this Thanksgiving, my aunt and uncle spent their Thanksgiving at Kentucky Fried Chicken. My aunt, who I remember in my childhood, more toys coming from her and more attention. She'd take us out to get ice cream. Remember that Skylark she used to have, Danny? And it was a brand new one. And she had plastic over the seats because she knew we were messy. Bless her heart. You sit there in the summertime, and if you, if you had shorts on, you try to get out. You get all the, they go, you know that. You didn't have to worry about sliding around. You know, you stuck. Little, you know. My my uncle, my uncle. What's interesting about uncles are they look a little bit like your dad or your mom, but they never they, they do things that your mom and dad would never let you do. My uncle taught me how to shoot an automatic weapon at the age of 10. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff my aunt and my uncle spent their Thanksgiving at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't even know how to feel about it. I called, called up Mike. He's like, well, they probably like that. Spittle! What, 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 how's Mary get through that? I'm having a kid in a stable. And then she, it, what does she think about when she's, the innkeeper says no. What does she think about when she hears a cow or a, or something? Oh, you know, she's pushing and, 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 and then she's not thinking all of a sudden, oh, that's right, I'm in a barn. Joseph, what is happening? No, she's not, she's thinking about something, isn't she? She's thinking about giving birth to the Son of God. It doesn't matter. Guys, listen. It doesn't matter where you are as long as God is there. 
Amen. It doesn't matter where you are. As long as God is there, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Why? Because He come to change things. And what might be dangerous is no longer really dangerous. What might be scary. You know, I, don't, I noticed something here. The angels say to the shepherds, to Mary and to Joseph something. They all, all three of them get the same thing. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Are we afraid of Christmas? Oh, no, I'm not afraid of Christmas. Well, let me rephrase that. Are you afraid of lordship? Because that's what was at stake here. You, you're going to be okay. You're going to have a child, and he's going to be the son of the Most High. Yeah, guys, you've got to get over here and see this. The Savior, the Lord, has been born. Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be so afraid to do what I'm asking you to do. Marry this woman. Marry her. And name that kid Jesus. He's going to save all of mankind. Well, the difficult things about being a Christian is obedience. Isn't it? If God's going to be present, you just don't want to know Him. I was reading in Romans today that, that Paul is challenging the Romans. Don't just know. Hearing the Word and knowing what God says is not enough. You must do it. You must obey it. And that's Lordship. That's where the rubber meets the road, guys. And here we see Lordship. He's great. What does she think about at the cross? What gets her through this stuff? Jesus is Lord. That's what gets me through it. This, my Son is Lord. My Son is the Messiah. What gets you through what you're going through? Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He was born in Bethlehem and it's Christ the Lord. Mary's response. Look at Mary's response here. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And she's going through the ringer at the time she says that. Praise God. When God is present, you have nothing to worry about. Wherever you are, if God is present, you have nothing to worry about. He comes with a throne. I want you to notice this. In Luke 1, he says, he goes on to say, he comes, in other words, he's a king, guys. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign. I want you to circle throne and circle reign. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom, circle his kingdom, will never end. What's he talking about here? What's Christmas really about? Christmas is about the lordship of Jesus. He says he'll have a throne. He will reign. He's not a passive king. He doesn't just sit on a throne and in luxury while the rest of us go through the ringer. He isn't like that. He's involved. He reigns. And it's His kingdom. It's His kingdom. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you're in His kingdom. And you can count on your King. He came here to change things. He came here to change your situation, whatever you're going through. He came to change the results of your sin. He came to change the way you look at things. He came to change you from being in bondage, from, a, from some stronghold to being free of it. Praise God. Praise God. 
And he changed, listen guys, he changed, and how do I, so Tim, you're saying he changed my life? Yes, when he is Lord of your life. What do you mean? What I mean is, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is more than a man or a prophet. I think too often, too many Christians treat him like he's just a regular guy. Well, we sing it, Jesus is Lord, and we say Jesus is Lord, but somehow it's lost, it's lost its meaning. Jesus is Lord. He's in control. He's got it. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we just treat him like a guy, like he's just a man. You see, when he's Lord, that means I trust and commit everything to him. He's Lord, so I obey him. You see, I might not see exactly what's happening, but I say to myself, He is Lord. That's what was announced. So I'm going to say it. It needs to be said on the earth again, guys. Somebody needs to be saying Jesus is Lord again, and it needs to come from the the believers, the disciples, the Christians. It needs to be heard on the earth. He is Lord. And it starts by saying He's Lord of my life. That means when I go through something I don't understand, that's okay. He's Lord of my life. He's got it covered. He must know something I don't. He has my back. He has my best interest in mind, so I'm going to obey Him. So when I bring Him into my marriage or to my family, my family's falling apart, Lord. Jesus is Lord, though. What does that mean? My family's having trouble, but I'm bringing His presence into this situation, and that means I'm going to trust Him and obey Him in whatever He says for me to do in that situation. You see, because Jesus is Lord, listen, nothing escapes His care. Nothing is unnoticed. He is fervently involved, reigning. You might think evil's winning, but Jesus is Lord. I think sometimes evil's winning, don't you? Looks like it. Rome was, was, was the superpower of the day. And what comes from heaven? Jesus is Lord. That changed. All of a sudden, Rome went from number one to number two. And that problem, that hardship, that tragedy that steals your joy, it's right now first. I want you to know Jesus is Lord. Uh-uh. It bumped down. That problem just bumped down where it belongs. It doesn't reign over you anymore. No, the Lord reigns. I don't know if I can go on. Guess what? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord if you can't go on. You may think there's a problem too big for you to handle. And it probably is. But Jesus is Lord. There's your equalizer. And so this Christmas, I want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you. You may have to say to yourself over and over again, you know, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to believe He reigns. And I'm going to be okay. I have a sobering passage here in, out of John. You know, Matthew and Luke talk about lots of details about Christmas. 
John and Mark don't talk so much about it, and especially, you know, John, you look at John 2, and you go, and what, here in John 1, he kind of makes a reference to the time Jesus came. It says, He came to the world that was His own, and His people did not accept Him. And I've, you know, we've said this for a few years now, Jesus is Lord whether you want Him to be or not. But have you accepted that? If, he, if He's going to make changes in your life, it comes down to, I'm going to receive Him and accept Him as my Lord. Simple, isn't it? Hard to do? Absolutely. What a challenging thought on Christmas. It's about Lordship. And number three, God came on Christmas to die for me. He came on Christmas to die for me. Now, a lot, for a lot of people, Christmas can be hard. I know some of you in this room, Christmas, this Christmas is especially hard. In fact, you would wish it would hurry up and get over with. You've lost a loved one. You've lost a job. You've lost some friends. Some friendships have changed. So Christmas isn't the same. Everybody else seems like they're in the Christmas mood, but not you. They're up mood. Just makes you more down with yours. I want to encourage you with something. Let me encourage you not to be in such a hurry to see Christmas pass by. Because Christmas reminds you and I of the cross. You know, as I looked at Christmas icons and pictures, I never found a cross in any of them. Yet the the story has the cross mentioned. It doesn't... Guys, it shows you just how far we've come away from the true meaning of Christmas. Look at this. It says in Luke 2, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What's the good news? Christmas bonus. No. What's the good, what's the good news? A new car! No. What's the good news? Engagement ring. No. What's the good news? Today in the town of David, a Savior. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Savior has been born among you. For you. See, Jesus is on a rescue mission. Christmas is, a, is, a, is more like a rescue mission than we, than, more than we realize. He's trying to save you and I from something. The very first way Christ is described from heaven as, is as a Savior. So He came to die on a cross. The cross is mentioned right there with the word Savior. He wants you free. He wants you free from fear and guilt and shame. And strongholds. And so Jesus leaves heaven. He leaves all the glory, according to Philippians 2. He lets go of it to come to earth. And when he gets here, his life is threatened right off the bat. Born in a barn, not in a palace. 
and he's on the run. He, finally, some guys die, and he comes, he comes back home. He begins to preach, and what's he run into? Opposition. People begin to have problems with him. Some people love him to death. But when crunch times come, they all reject him, even his own disciples. He dies on a cross. Catch it. They put him in a grave. They put him in a grave. He comes out. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He isn't going anywhere. Praise God. He's Emmanuel. We'll kill him. We'll put him in a grave. We'll get rid of him. And he goes, no, you don't get rid of me that easily. See, I am God with you, and you're stuck with me. Listen, why would God go to all this trouble, all this energy, if it weren't important? If it weren't something He wanted you to have? You see, Christmas tells me I need a Savior. Does it tell you that? I don't need something, a new thing, a new gizmo. I need a Savior. I'm lost without Jesus. You're lost without Jesus. And Christmas is telling you, you need a Savior, and I'm here to save you. You know, that's good news when you stop and think about it, because that means you matter to God, that He would let go of all of that to be on this earth. That's why in Matthew, you know, Joseph, he's told, don't be afraid to marry, to marry, you know, to take Mary as your wife. Name him Jesus. Name that boy Jesus, which means one who saves. For he will save his people from their sins. What present has got your mind on Christmas? Christmas. 